What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. All right, guys, welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going to kick off running back week, releasing on a Sunday, if it is Sunday for you guys. Hope you guys finish the weekend strong. Have a good Sunday ahead of you. And let's go ahead and get into it. We are going to start with, of course, the RB1, the only way it should be, Christian McCaffrey. If he's not your RB1, you're doing it wrong, fellas. Here's the thing. First off, it doesn't even need explaining, but... Because it's a podcast, I gotta explain it. You know how it is. So, Christian McCaffrey, he just put up the highest scoring running back season in fantasy since 2006. And who did that in 2006? It was LaDainian Tomlinson when he put up 481 fantasy points in PPR. 10 points more than what McCaffrey did last year. But LaDainian Tomlinson did that on the back of 28 touchdowns. McCaffrey was not even close to 28 touchdowns. So in my opinion, McCaffrey is much safer for this year because he didn't have that huge season off an insane touchdown total. Yes, McCaffrey had a lot, but did he have 28? No. Did he have 25? No. 23? No. So McCaffrey is is pretty safe. And not only did he have that insane season, the best one we've seen since 2006 and the second best ever, if I'm not mistaken, but His offense just got better. He has a more accurate quarterback now. Their offense should be better in terms of efficiency, accuracy, passing to McCaffrey and the receivers, and being able to sustain drives longer and create more scoring opportunities. Not only did they get Teddy Bridgewater as an upgrade at quarterback, but they also got a deep threat at wide receiver in Robbie Anderson. Now you have a more complete wide receiver core with DJ Moore as, you know, that prototypical number one receiver that you want, good route runner, he's got decent speed, he's shifty, and then you have Curtis Samuel, your gadget guy, and now you have your deep threat. So they're much more well-rounded than before, and anytime you have a deep threat wide receiver, what does it do? It makes life easier for the running back, because anybody or any defense that has to face a team with a deep threat can't just be stacking the box all the time because they're worried about getting burned. And so not only does McCaffrey have a better, more accurate quarterback throwing him the ball now, but he also should have an easier time running the ball. Now, he was so efficient last year, it's kind of risky to to project the same, or I mean, to project better efficiency. So what am I doing? I'm projecting the same efficiency, even though the situation has only gotten better. But that is what makes him even safer, in my opinion. Do I have him projected for last year's stats? No, not at all, especially not in the touchdown category. That's what I brought down the most. I brought him down to one touchdown per game. Very reasonable. And, you know, around the same reception total, a little bit less because I think they're going to throw a little bit less because they're going to be more efficient because the Panthers threw for more than 615 times, I believe, last year. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head. And so, yeah, with them throwing less, he's going to have a little bit less receptions, but he's still elite and he is so far above everybody else. He is in his own tier, and I think that's important to recognize, especially if you're doing like auctions or something. I would put so much more money on Christian McCaffrey compared to the RB2, and you'll find out who my RB2 is in a second, 
but obviously when you're doing auctions you're looking at values and stuff but in a vacuum i would put 75 dollars on mccaffrey in an auction draft and my rb2 i wouldn't put more than about 65 to 68 depending on you know the other guys in that second tier of running backs how much they went for because i try to find the value but anyways that was just kind of a sidebar McCaffrey, if you have the number one pick, is the guy you need to be taking. And somebody else was like telling me on Twitter, they're like, okay, well, if you had to pick a McCaffrey or the field at who finishes at RB1, you're taking the field. And I'm like, yeah, correct. Of course, you always take the field. You never take one person versus everyone else. But here's the thing. When you're drafting, you're not saying McCaffrey the field. You're having to pick somebody to put up against McCaffrey. If you take Saquon at one instead of McCaffrey, you're saying you think Saquon has a better chance 1v1 versus McCaffrey to finish as the RB1. And I think it's not even close. Not even close. McCaffrey is the dude. Then we have our second tier, or my second tier. Most of the guys lump McCaffrey in with these next running backs. Because my second tier is pretty standard. It's just I have a clear tier break from McCaffrey on because I have a huge projection difference. I have McCaffrey projected for five points more per game than my RB2. Last year, McCaffrey was 10 points more per game better than the RB2. So even though I have him way less, that's still such a huge gap. He's a clear guy by himself. Now we'll get into my RB2, Ezekiel Elliott. So he's in the same tier with Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and if Dalvin Cook signs his contract, then Dalvin Cook will be in that tier as well. You could order these guys how you want. This is my preferred order. But as you guys have heard from me in past podcasts, my tiers are basically where I can mix things up in a draft, depending on if I'm looking at potential or risk or how my team is built. So I have no problem if you want to take Barkley or Kamara at two, but Elliot is my two and at the top of this tier. We all agree that all these guys are good picks. But I prefer Elliott at two for two super simple reasons. One, stability. And two, consistency. Zeke does not get hurt. Kamara's gotten hurt already. Barkley's gotten hurt. And Cook is always hurt. So Elliott is the one that you can always count on. He's always stable. He's just built differently. And not only do you have less injury risk with him, but he's going to possibly be in the best offense in the NFL this year. I have it projected to the point where the Cowboys are going to be giving the Chiefs a run for their money. And I'm, there's another one or two teams that are close up there. I think the Bucks are pretty close. And I don't remember what the fourth team is. I think it might have been the Eagles, actually. Um, but, yeah, the and I might be forgetting somebody, and you guys might be thinking I'm crazy. Oh, the Ravens was the other one. Um, and so, yeah, he's going to be in much better offense than the Giants. I think they're going to be slightly better offense than the Saints. And, you know, they're just more explosive. The Saints are a really good offense, but they're starting to lose that explosiveness with Breeze's arm slowly dwindling. And you can see it in the game if you just watch Breeze. But so you have stability and consistency. And consistency, what does that mean? Week to week. Week to week and season to season. You can always count on Elliott to be good. Like last year, Kamara had a down year because he didn't have a lot of touchdowns. And he doesn't have nearly as many attempts as Elliott. Elliott usually has 100 rushes more than Kamara. So when Elliott has a bad touchdown season, it's all right. He's still getting a lot of work and he's still giving you 15 points minimum every week. So I love the consistency and the fact that you don't have to worry about him getting injured. Plus, they just added CeeDee Lamb. You got CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup as your receiving core. It's going to be so hard to stack the box versus Elliott because Dak is going to be going off and now they have an amazing 
receiver trio. And after this season, if CeeDee Lamb comes out and does what some people have say, are thinking that he's going to do or have been saying he's going to do, then they could easily be touted as the best overall wide receiver core. Right now, I would still say it's the Bucks, but once we see CeeDee Lamb do what he might be able to do, they might take that number one spot from the Bucks. So there's just so many things going in Elliott's direction. I have him almost leading the league in rushing yards, but not um, not exactly. I have him about 100 yards short of Derrick Henry, but I also have him for 16 touchdowns, one per game. And I think he's going to you know, see positive regression in terms of the touchdown count from last year. Then I have Kamara at three. So some of you guys are going to be thinking I'm crazy because I have Barkley at four. Barkley is usually everybody's two. Well, we'll get to that in a second, but I want to start off with saying that Kamara is the... He's kind of... It's weird because McCaffrey is like 110 plus reception kind of guy, and he's in his own tier of receptions, but then Kamara is in his own tier of receptions because he's gone 81, 81, 81, back to back to back. And Barkley did have numbers like that his rookie season last year. He was on pace for a little bit less, and this year I think he's going to be on pace for even less than that, and we'll get to why in a second. But Kamara is really in that middle ground in terms of the receiving game of McCaffrey and everybody else. So that's what gives me the edge for Kamara. It's the receiving part of the game. And also, I have him and Barkley projected for the same amount of touchdowns, but we've seen the touchdown count get really high for Kamara. We haven't seen it happen for Barkley yet. Could it happen? Yeah. For sure. But I'm going to put my trust in the Saints offense more than the Giants offense. And Kamara was really good last year, despite the, you know, touchdown lows, just in terms of efficiency and stuff, he was still really good. And he was playing with a injury the entire season. And so now he's going to come back healthy. His efficiency should go up because of that by itself. And also Emmanuel Sanders is going to help that passing game be a little bit more, should I say lethal, I guess. Not that he's like a lethal guy, but He's a huge upgrade over Traquan Smith. So their passing game is going to be more lethal, and it's going to open things up for Kamara a little bit too. So that's why Kamara is my three. But if you want to put Barkley ahead, I understand. So now I'm going to explain why Barkley is the last guy in this tier for me. Because as of right now, because of the risk of Dalvin Cook not um, signing, the fact that he hasn't signed yet, I put him down into tier three for me. But once he signs, I'll move him back up into tier two. But for Barkley, look, he now has a team that is way more loaded than what he had his rookie year. His rookie year, what was going on? It was the Barkley and Beckham show, baby. Barkley and Beckham all the way. And then now Beckham left. So we're like, oh, shoot, this might be great for Barkley. But then they had last year Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate. So Golden Tate and Darius Slayton are the new ones. And Sterling Shepard. Here's the thing. What kind of tight end is Evan Ingram? He's a reception hog. What kind of receiver is Golden Tate? Reception hog. What kind of receiver is Sterling Shepard? Reception hog. What kind of receiver is Darius Slayton? Big play threat. Good overall player, but he doesn't take too much targets. So you have three people outside of Saquon Barkley who ask for a lot of targets and a lot of receptions. If Barkley had already seen a decrease from rookie year to year two, then this year, which was last year, then this year when all those people are going to be healthy on the field at the same time, he's going to see another decrease, in my opinion. Because last year, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Saquon Barkley, all five of them, that's their offense, they were never on the field at the same time altogether. And obviously, that's what we're projecting, 
for this year to start. So I think it's going to be very hard for Saquon Barkley to reach those receiving numbers. With that said, I still think he's going to get a lot of carries, a lot of yards. I have him actually just like 80 yards short of Zeke in the running game. About the same receptions. For me, it's the touchdown difference that put Zeke ahead of Barkley. And then the thing that puts Kamara ahead of Barkley is the receptions. So I have Saquon and Kamara both at 13 touchdowns. Then we have our second tier break. So now we're moving into tier three. And it starts off with Dalvin Cook. So like I said, he's in my tier two once he signs. But since he hasn't signed yet, I move him down into tier three. There's no way I'm taking him over those other guys. Even when I do move him into tier two, though, he will be for sure the last guy in that tier because he is such an injury risk compared to everybody else. He's yet to play a full season. He's been hurt every season. And yeah, it's just... It's tough, man. Like, it's so hard for me to invest such a high pick in somebody that I can't even trust. Like, when Dalvin Cook first came into the year, I remember I was in a keeper league. I don't know if you guys have ever had a experience like this, but in keeper leagues, depending on how many people you decide to keep, it chooses your draft position in a way. And so I only kept three players, and I was granted the first overall pick from a combination of that fact, and because I had a record, a bad record, I had a bunch of injuries and stuff. And... So I was looking at the year of CMC, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, and Leonard Fournette was everyone's number one, like no question. And I took Dalvin Cook at number one overall over Leonard Fournette. And that first year, it looked like such a bad idea, but it was because guess what? Cook got hurt. And then year two, I kept Cook. And then year two, he got hurt. And so then I traded him away before last season started. And then, of course, that's the season he's the most healthy and goes crazy. But Dalvin Cook is just a guy that I want to love him. I want to love him. I have loved him since college. And it's just hard for me to to tie in a pick that high into somebody that you can't trust. That's basically what it boils down to. There's so many better options or other options that you can be safe with. So why take the risk? There's no reason to. But he is super explosive. He's going to be leaned on by the Vikings. And one thing I will say, if you're thinking about taking that risk on Dalvin Cook, he's probably going to see the most receptions he ever has because Diggs is gone one. That's one of two things. And usually when there's a void in targets left on a team, they'll go to the running back, or at least a good percentage of them will go to the running back. So Cook should get more just from that alone with Diggs being gone. But also because the Vikings just lost their three starting corners, from last year and I'm pretty sure to this day still Everson Griffin has not signed with them so their defense is looking pretty bad I'm sure they're going to end up throwing the ball a little bit more than last year so not only is he going to get some of Diggs targets but if he keeps the same target share he'll get more targets from them passing the ball more so that's one thing I like about Cook I also have him at 13 touchdowns I'm a little bit fearless with my touchdown projections I'm not going to lie um but for me it's like when I see other analysts, like the most touchdowns you'll ever see them project for somebody's like 11. It's like, come on, you know that somebody's going to get. Like last year, off the top of my head, this could be wrong, but I know I'm very close. There was like eight guys that had more than 12 touchdowns last year. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of guys. So like for nobody to be projecting anyone to have 12 touchdowns, like, come on, we could be a little bit more fearless with our projections, right? So you'll see that because I'm going to keep giving you guys my touchdown numbers. Then I have Derrick Henry at six. He's a guy straight up I'm not drafting. He is an enigma. He touts five yards per carry despite having more than 300 carries. When Tannehill was in last year, he was six yards per carry. But I'm not drafting him because he lacks receptions. And that scares me. 
look, he is the offense. 100% he is the offense. But the chance, and you know, maybe you don't think that this is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. But the chance still exists that the Titans take a step back. Well, they're definitely going to take a step back because they were super efficient. But I mean, like, going to be a bad team. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. But what happens if they are? What happens to Derrick Henry? I want you to think about that real quick. Let's say the Titans are always down. They have a bad team. Their defense is not keeping them in games as much as they hope. You think Derrick Henry is going to be a top 10 running back? Probably not. Because Darrington Evans is going to get more usage. And, you know, he's a better receiver than Henry. Not that either of them are great receivers. But he's definitely better than Henry as a receiver. They're not going to just start throwing Henry the ball a bunch if they're losing. So the fact that that exists scares me because everybody else in the top 10 has receiving work. Derrick Henry is the only guy in the top 12 that I have projected for less than 30 receptions. Actually, he's the only one I have projected for less than 40 receptions in the top 12. My next lowest guy, who we'll get to later, is Josh Jacobs, who I have projected at 41. So that's the thing with Henry. So both of those guys, Cook and Henry, the start of this third tier are guys I'm not drafting. And I will, despite my projections, take Miles Sanders, my RB7, ahead of both of them. And this is why. Remember, so I had 16 touchdowns, and this is important, 16 touchdowns for McCaffrey and Elliott, 13 for Kamara and Barkley, 13 for Cook, and 16 for Henry. Miles Sanders is my RB7, and he only has nine touchdowns in my projection. I also only have him at 55% of the Eagles carries. I have him at about 55. It might be like 57. I have him at 232 attempts. So even if they sign somebody, which they probably will, it's not going to change my ranking on Miles Sanders because I'm already kind of low on him in terms of the attempt percentage. 55% is not that much. It's just because he's extremely efficient and that offense has gotten so much better. You're adding DJX, a healthy Alshon. J-Jaw is getting back, coming back from injury. That's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, second-round pick last year. Then you have first-round pick Jalen Rager coming back. Then you still have Goddard and Ertz at the tight end position. And not only that, but you have Marquise Goodwin as insurance protection for if D-Jax gets hurt. So that entire offense is like completely changed. Their offensive line is taking a very, very minor step back. So it's not going to be a big deal. And he might be in one of the best offenses in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles are top five in terms of offensive production for fantasy next year. It'll be kind of frustrating for receivers because I think it's going to be spread around randomly from game to game because there's so many options. But overall, I and that's part of the reason I love Carson so much. If Carson ran the ball more, he would be a top five, top three quarterback for me. But he doesn't, so that's why he's a little bit lower. Um, but I still have him pretty high. Miles Sanders is going to be the reception guy. I know Boston Scott got some receptions, but Miles Sanders is not going to cede that role um, to Boston Scott. I have him at 59 receptions and nine touchdowns total. And the reason that I love that for Miles Sanders is it makes me feel safe when I'm taking him as my RB7. Because what happens if he lands on the high side of touchdowns? What happens if he gets 12? He can, like, if I put him at 12 touchdowns, he would move up all the way to my RB5 right next to Barkley. So he has such a high ceiling and there's a lot of room to improve from my projection. And my projection is 
putting him at seven, which is already way higher than where everyone else has him. So he's a guy that I am taking in a lot of places. Um, and I always go running back heavy, so I'm usually taking him over wide receivers too, good wide receivers, except for Michael Thomas. Then at eight, I have Austin Eckler. Eckler was amazing last year, even after Melvin Gordon came back. I'm sure most of you guys know that. The Chargers may have added Joshua Kelly, but they lost Melvin. Kelly is not going to pick up all of Melvin's workload. You have There's no way you can project Eckler to have worse of a workload than last year. If you want to knock down his efficiency, that's, that's the route to take. If you're an anti-Eckler kind of guy, you've got to take the efficiency route. You can't take the workload route because last year, his workload was not a lot. This year, I don't even have his workload projected for a lot, but of course I have it projected for a little bit better than last year because the rookie that they just drafted in the third or fourth round is not going to take all of Melvin Gordon's work. And if you just want to keep Justin Jackson at his same workload, I have Austin Eckler at only 192 attempts. And the lowest guy before this was Kamara at 194, but obviously Kamara is a different kind of beast. And actually, you know what? They're actually not that different. Kamara has better touchdown upside because of the offense, but reception-wise, Kamara has a slight edge, but they're pretty similar, actually. Austin Eckler, to me, is kind of, I'm just really just discovering this now, but he's kind of like a Kamara Jr. Slightly worse offense, slightly less receptions, slightly less touchdown upside, but everything else is pretty much the same, and he's can be viewed as like a Kamara Jr. So one other thing I wanted to talk about for Eckler was that he's super safe. Just like I think Miles Sanders is pretty safe, because which some people are going to completely disagree with, I know that. But I only have Miles Sanders at, like I said, 55% of the carries, only 59 receptions, which is it's a good number, but it's not like crazy, and nine touchdowns. So if you want to fight that, then go for it. But I, I think you're choosing, you're choosing the wrong fight. Uh, don't fight me on Miles Sanders, because that's my boy. But with Eckler, I think he's safe too, because... He is the receiving back there. I don't think he's going to have any competition in that category. And they're going to be a team with a good defense. And I think they're just going to be a run profile team. Tyra Taylor runs the ball. Tyra Taylor doesn't turn the ball over. And they have a great defense. What does that mean? That means they're going to pound the rock with the running backs. And that's part of the reason I think they drafted Joshua Kelly is kind of a little bit of insurance, but also to get him in there a little bit, keep everyone fresh. Because I think they're really, really going to commit to the run this year. And they know that they can because they know Tyrod's not a guy that's going to put them in negative game scripts as often as Philip Rivers, who threw 22 interceptions last year. Or was it 20? It was 20 or 22. Then at running back nine, I have Kenyon Drake. So Austin Eckler and Kenyon Drake, I keep flip-flopping. I'm having a, a tough time, like when I'm on the clock choosing which one to draft. I usually take Eckler because I've seen more from Eckler, and Kenyon Drake had a lot of his points um, in like two or three games last year. So he was more inconsistent week to week. But Drake is honestly elite in terms of efficiency. Like, he was averaging good numbers with the Dolphins. The Dolphins were so bad. And every other running back to touch the ball in Miami has looked horrible. Yet somehow Drake still looked serviceable. He actually looked better than serviceable. He looked good. And then he went to a team that wasn't the Dolphins, a team that wasn't atrocious. And guess what? He's averaging more than five yards per carry. Because that's the kind of running back he is. He's a really good, elite, efficient running back. I'm not saying elite like Barkley and Zeke elite, but in terms of efficiency, like he's a guy that you don't have to give him a huge workload, and he's going to produce like very well with that workload. 
So, in fact, he was number six by points per game last year if you just look at when he was with the Cardinals. And like I said, a lot of those points came in the same games. I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. Look, last year, he joined the Cardinals in the middle of the season. Literally, while he was playing in the games, the coaches were talking about him learning the playbook. Like, they, he only knew like 30 or 40% of the playbook in that first week when he went up against, I think the 49ers was the first game Drake played in. And he looked good. And he just slowly was getting brought along, brought along. It's a tough transition to do that in the middle of the season and just be consistent week to week. I think, especially because they re-signed him and they're committing to him now, I think we're going to see a good stable floor from Drake. And that offense is just going to be better. You're adding Hopkins. That's going to make it harder to defend the run because you have to worry about Hopkins, Fitzgerald, Kirk. And now Hakeem Butler's back from injury or Isabella, whoever steps in as the wide receiver for it's going to be a really good offense. You still have the work to worry about Kyler running. So Drake is also a very, very good guy in a good situation. Honestly, running back is so deep this year. Um, but I'm still always going to get the guys at the top because they have clear differences from everyone as you get lower. Because after we get out of this tier, which actually this tier ends perfectly today. So my 12th running back is the last person in this third tier. So that works out well. The fourth tier after that is a whole bunch of guys with risk. They're all really good, and I think much better than the guys in that same range every other year. But it's just risk mitigation at this point when you're taking the the higher running backs. So after Drake, who was my RB9, and I have him at 11 touchdowns, by the way. Eckler also had 11 touchdowns. I have Joe Mixon at 10. I really, 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 really want to have Joe Mixon higher, but... As I was just talking about with the running back depth, there are so many good running backs in the game this year. And it's hard for me to put Mixon higher. Why? Because for some reason, he has yet to be used, despite his exceptional receiving skills, as a receiver in the way he should be. He should be getting receptions to the level of Alvin Kamara. If you watch Mixon catch the ball, he looks like a wide receiver. He is probably the second between second and fourth because McCaffrey's obviously the best receiving running back he's probably between two and four in terms of just pure skill at being a receiving running back he just unfortunately has not gotten the usage and that's what has me having him this low at 10 because that's his x factor if they start upping his receptions if he's like becomes a 55 or 60 ish reception back he can jump all the way into the second tier of guys with Barkley um, Elliot and Kamara. Like, Mixon will be in that tier if he hits 60 receptions, 100%, because he gets a huge workload. He had, like, I mean, I haven't projected for 270 attempts this year. He had somewhere near there last year, and he's pretty efficient. He's going to be more efficient now because they have a better quarterback, better offensive line with Jonah Williams back, better receivers with AJ Green back, T. Higgins added. So that whole situation is better as well. So Mixon's going to see some efficiency bumps, hopefully. It's just all about. <clears throat> sorry, it's just all about the receiving side of the game. And I have him at 10 touchdowns. Then we have at 11, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Many people think this is high, but I don't really think it's that high. I barely have Clyde projected for 11 carries a game. I have him at 184 attempts. 11 carries per game. I said it again because I want you to realize that's really low and he's my RB 11. Trust me, the RB usage in the passing game will also be more this year, way more than in years past. The Chiefs are not going to spend a first-round pick on a running back, 
especially a running back of Clyde's nature, not like a Jonathan Taylor. They chose Clyde. Jonathan Taylor's on the board. Clyde was the first running back off the board, and what does he excel in? Receiving. So do you think that they would have taken Clyde when they had options of Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins or any of the other guys if they didn't plan on using running backs more in the receiving game? I don't think so. That doesn't make any sense. So, and it's not like, also, Clyde's not an elite athlete. Like, he's very shifty, and he'll make you miss in a telephone booth. But in terms of speed, Jonathan Taylor's got him. Quickness, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins got him. Like, he is not the athlete that those guys are yet. It was the first one off the board because of the receiving. So that makes me think that the running backs are going to get more involved. I could easily see him being a 50 reception plus guy this year. And yes, he's going to start slow, especially with COVID. And it's going to hurt the rookies all across the board. But I think by week six or seven, he's going to be a locked in top 10 fantasy running back. The offense is too good. And I don't think that they put all that equity in Clyde if they don't plan handing him the reins over Damian Williams. So it's going to happen eventually. I'm projecting it to happen around week six or seven. But once it happens, he's going to be a locked in top 10 guy, in my opinion. I also have him at 10 touchdowns. That I might actually tweak. I might make it like eight because that's a little bit high for a rookie at this point because of COVID and everything. But still, even when I make it to eight, just knowing my projections off the top of my head, it'll only move him down to about RB13. Then at 12, to round out the top 12 running backs, who is it for me? It's Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is very similar to Mixon. He suffers from not being utilized in the receiving game as he should be. On the ground, I think we see improvements with all the weapons of Ruggs and Edwards added to the offense. Also similar to Mixon, adding Higgins and getting A.J. Green back. He should be an efficient runner, Josh Jacobs. And it really just like Mixon comes all down to the receptions. There's one thing different, though. I do want to say I'm not saying Jacobs and Mixon are the same talent level. Mixon is years in front of Jacobs in terms of receiving skills. Mixon can pull off one one hand like behind the helmet catches. We've seen him do it. Josh Jacobs is you know, a stable guy. He has good hands, but I don't think he's on the like receiver, wide receiver level that Mixon is on. Like you could actually put, I fully firmly believe that you could put Mixon in at slot or even put him on the outside and he will run the route and you wouldn't even be able to tell he wasn't a wide receiver. Jacobs is not to that level. I think only three running backs are really to that level. That's Kamara, Mixon, and McCaffrey. Barkley's a great receiver, but he's not like a route runner per se like those other guys. But I'm starting to get on a tangent. Let me come back to Jacobs. Um, I think he's, you know, just needs the receptions, honestly. But the fact that they re-signed Jalen Richard hurts him. And the fact that they drafted Lynn Bowden, who is a running back wide receiver hybrid, also hurts Jacobs receiving upside. So it's very hard for me to see a path towards improvement for him. I have him at 10 touchdowns, 250 attempts for about 1250 yards. And I only have him at 41 receptions. Him and Mixon are very similar to me. I have Mixon at 42 receptions, so a one reception difference. I have them three yards apart in receiving yards, both at 10 touchdowns. So if either of them get involved more and hit like that 60 mark in receptions, which I mean, all it takes is a change in coaching. That's all it takes. I think it's more likely to happen for Mixon than Jacobs, especially because Burrow might suggest it considering Burrow was throwing to Clyde all the time. And he actually said that he thought Clyde was the best football player on their team, despite Having Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, a few good O-linemen. Um, the, who was the linebacker that just got drafted for them? Patrick Queen. 
Um, they have good corners too, Christian Fulton, and they have a rookie, or not rookie, freshman, who was a really, really good corner, and he's on his way up too. So they have so many good players on that team, and he said, he singled out Clyde and said he thought Clyde was the best running back, or the best player on LSU. That's crazy to me. And I think that he's going to see very quickly, once training camp starts and everything, that Mixon is such a good receiver, and he's going to be like, man, let me throw to this guy. So I think it's more likely for Mixon than Jacobs. Also, Mixon doesn't have a Jalen Richard to deal with or a Lynn Bowden to deal with either. So that's my top 12 running backs. And real quick to give you guys the tiers, McCaffrey is at number one in his own tier. It's not even close. Tier two consists of Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and then tier three is Dalvin Cook, who will go into tier two once he signs, Derrick Henry, Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, Joe Mixon, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Oh, and Josh Jacobs. So that's my tiers. My first three tiers are within my top 12 running backs. And that's all I got for you guys today. I didn't take any questions. I will be posting a tweet out there for questions and a Instagram story for questions so I can get you guys questions in on the next pod. But I wanted to start off running back week a little bit quicker because honestly, I'll, I'll be you know straight up with you guys. Um, and I'm pretty much done with my fantasy conversation. So if you don't want to hear this, you can go ahead and end it. But straight up, I'm trying to figure out right now what the best pathway to success is for me in my podcast, because I know everybody's podcast is slightly different. I know I'm a little bit different because I usually am by myself on the podcast and I'm trying to figure out what length of podcast is best for me. You know, if I get more listens when it's that 30 minute mark, or if it doesn't really matter if I go to an hour, because I can easily talk for an hour about fantasy football. I mean, I could talk I mean, I'm sure a bunch of you guys could too. We could just have a genuine conversation about football for days without having a break. Like football is never ending. We love it. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to figure out total length right now. So I want to make today a little bit quicker and we'll see where my listens go from here compared to other episodes. But that's just a little insight into what's going on with me and my podcast, I guess. But that's what I got for you guys. It was the top 12 running backs. Remember, you can always hit me up if you have any questions. I'm super good with responding. That's part of the benefit of being a uh, kind of underground podcast. As of right now, hopefully it doesn't stay like that forever, but that's definitely a benefit for you guys. And I hope you guys have a good one. Enjoy your Sunday or Monday whenever you guys are listening to this, whatnot. Keep working hard, reading your articles, practicing your mock drafts, and I will see you on episode two of Running Back Week. Have a good one, guys. Peace.